Okay, well, I wonder whether you are someone who always thinks they're right or whether you're someone who always thinks you're wrong. Do you know what I mean? Maybe you're someone who's thinking, well, yeah, obviously I'm always right. Or maybe you're always thinking, oh, I always get everything wrong. I wonder which you are. When I was a younger man, uh, I was definitely someone who always thought I was right. Uh, probably still do. No, but I always thought I was right. And, but now, different. I'll tell you what made the difference there. 16 years of wonderful marriage to my wife uh, showed me that I wasn't always right. And 10 years in church leadership definitely showed me I'm hardly ever right. But we can be stubborn as people, can't we? When we think we're right, we can be stubborn. We can think that if I, everyone just listened to what I think, things would get better and that um, the world would be all put to right. When Claire and I, I'll give you one example of how Claire has taught me many things. She's, she's slinking into her seat over there a little bit. Uh, but whenever we leave the house, I'm someone who likes to get going quickly and get to where we're trying to be. And I don't worry about preparing too much. I don't worry about what I've got with me or on me. I think, let's just go. Let's just get there. I don't like being late, etc. Whereas Claire likes to take her time and make sure we've got everything we need before we go. And, uh, and for many years, I thought, I'm in the right. I'm in the right. I'm in the right. And then we had children. And then... Claire would be like, yes, but have we brought a bottle of water with us? Have we got wet wipes? Have we got plasters? Have we got all that sort of thing? And uh, I can't tell you the number of times we've been out and about where Claire has saved the day. And if we'd listened to me, I would have been completely wrong. Maybe you can think of times like that. But the problem is if we're stubborn and we always try to get our own ways, and if we're always thinking we're right we can get ourselves into difficulties and trouble. In fact, sometimes we get so stubborn about doing it the right way, the problem gets even worse. A few weeks ago, um, we were having some work done on our driveway, and some pe uh, the builders dug up the driveway and left uh, um, and to try and replace it with the new things, and a big lorry came to take away all the old rubble. And of course, the lorry backed onto our driveway where there wasn't solid ground, and I think it might have been raining, etc. And they loaded up all the rubble. And then can you guess what happened? They tried to leave. And the back wheels of the lorry started spinning. And at which point it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, let's figure this out. But the driver thought, more power. More power will solve the situation. And so tried again. And then what happened? The lorry just sank deeper. So what's the solution? More power. <laughs> More power should do it, except in reverse this time. So reverse power. More, more wheel spinning, more and more deeper into the mud. And of course, in the end, after lots of stubbornness and obstinacy about it, we figured out you'd have to get someone to tow, tow out a different solution. But we can all see that, can't we, in life, when people... Again, making the situation, because of their stubbornness, 
making the situation worse and worse and worse. We've got expressions for things like that. You're digging the hole even deeper. Have you seen that when someone gets into a difficult situation and you say, oh man, here's a spade, you're digging yourself out of this one and it's getting worse and worse and worse. And stubbornness can be a real problem because when two people can be like that to each other, there's no way out other than total war <laughs> and getting your own way and crushing or defeating the other person. Does that make sense? You end up on different sides. Okay, an extreme example of this, and it's not a, a funny one at all, an extreme example of this might be what we're seeing in some of in the conflict that we're seeing in Ukraine and Russia, where someone is so convinced they are right, even when things are going wrong, they will keep pursuing the same course of action, even if it destroys their country and another one. Do you see the problem? When someone is convinced they're right and can't, can't even entertain that they might be wrong, then we get into trouble. Now, Jesus says it's incredibly important that we are always open to being wrong in our opinions. That's really important. Jesus says that, verse 24. Let me just show it to you so you don't think I'm making it up. Jesus says, stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. We can often make really wrong judgments. And if we persist in them, could lead to real trouble. So stop judging by mere appearance. At least be able to entertain, I might be wrong on this. Let me think about it. Judge correctly. Jesus says that's very important. The religious teachers of Jesus' day believed that they were always right. The religious teachers. And they found it very difficult to question whether they might be wrong on something. And in fact, not only did they always think they were right, they built their life and the life that they wanted for all the people of Israel built upon the fact that they were right. So their question was this, what does God require of us? And their answer to that was to obey all the rules in the law. That will make us right and that will make us in God's good books. Obey all the rules. In fact, they thought, well, if that's the way, if obeying all the rules is the right way to get in God's good books, let's just put loads and loads of more rules in place so that we can show more and more that we're right. Let me just give you an example. The Sabbath, the Saturday, the day that God put into the Bible to say, that is a day you set aside one day in seven to worship God. And they said, great, that's a great rule. We can be right, let's do that. And so, but onto that, the religious leaders go, well, if that's the case, then we could probably put loads of extra rules on the Sabbath to really make sure that we're keeping that rule. So, no TV on the Sabbath. <laughs> no this, no that. Make sure that no one is doing anything that breaks a sweat. No gardening. No all sorts of lists of things to show, actually, if God is pleased with us obeying his rules, let's just add let lots of extra rules to ensure that we can look really right. Really right. 
But the problem was, of course, for them that when they saw Jesus not conforming to all those rules, not to the law of the Bible, but to the rules that they had, extra rules they had put in place, they had a problem then. They had a problem with Jesus. And rather than going, could we have been wrong on this, they dig a deeper hole for themselves and they begin to oppose Jesus and even oppose God. Jesus points out to them that they were wrong in verse 21 to 23. Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you are all amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, instead judge correctly. So here's a good example, isn't it? The religious people had seen a law in the Old Testament which is on the eighth day after a baby boy is born, eight days after a baby boy is born, they're to be circumcised, okay? And so the religious leaders said, great, okay, that's something that is definitely permissible on the Sabbath because it's a, it's a religious uh, ritual of which we can do on the Sabbath. Think of it a bit like um, baptism today. Circumcision and baptism are, are tightly linked in the Bible. Think about today, baptism, that's definitely something we could do on a Sunday, right? That's a, that's a right thing to do, baptism. And we're going to have some baptisms in a few weeks' time, which is exciting and wonderful. But there are lots of things you shouldn't do on the Sabbath. Baptism allowed, circumcision allowed, lots of things you can't do on the Sabbath. And Jesus makes a point. He says, look, circumcision's a good thing. Baptism's a good thing. Helping people come to God is a good thing. Helping people be healed in their life and in their relationships and in their salvation by coming to know God is a good thing. If you're prepared to do a good thing like circumcision and baptism on a Sunday or a Sabbath, why have you got a problem when they see Jesus actually going to help someone really meaningfully on the Sabbath? Maybe not in the church, maybe they were out, Jesus was out and about, not in the synagogue, and he healed people and he did wonderful things. If you're prepared to do that on the Sabbath, why is it you're not happy when we do the full meaning of those things? Helping people, helping them come to Christ. Healing, serving, feeding, all those things. What will the religious people do, though? When they see Jesus doing all these things that they regarded broke the rules of the Sabbath, what were they going to do? Because they know and can see that Jesus is awesome. They've seen his miracles. It says here in verse 14 that they were really impressed with Jesus' teaching, and they were amazed at that, and yet he's not conforming to what they think is right. Do they back down? Do they go, okay, Jesus, just, just run me through that again. Help me understand what's going on. No, verse 20, they say that he is demon-possessed. Isn't that fascinating? 
demon-possessed. To come up to the conclusion that the divine Son of God is actually demon-possessed, you've got to be really stubborn, haven't you? You've got to be really stubborn in that you are right if you get to the conclusion that actually Jesus is the enemy. And that's a real warning for us, actually, when we get stubborn in life and insisting we're always right on everything, is that sometimes we might actually find we're on the other side even when it comes to God. We're on the other side of the argument. That's a place we don't really want to be, is it, as Christians and believers? Let me just give you an example, and it's one that's probably close to home to many of us. Uh, I don't know about you, but even since the lockdown, and, uh, and, and I guess the pandemic is less in the news than it used to be, but it, a lot of the time when I meet people, we still talk about those days, you know, about uh, the lockdown, how the government responded, how it affected our lives over the last two years. Do you find yourself in many of those conversations at dinner parties and stuff? Or actually you sort of try and avoid it because it might <laughs> end up in uh, too many arguments or something. Anyway, it's a lot on people's minds. And um, let's just picture this thought experiment for a moment. Most of us had opinions about what was right and what was wrong during the pandemic. Is that fair? Some of us might be like, totally fine with what anyone says, I'll just go with it. But most of us had opinions. Is the government doing not enough? Or was the government uh, doing too much? Yeah? And we were all probably on a spectrum there. Even for church life, it got really complicated, didn't it? Can we sing? Can we not sing? Masks or no masks? Uh, social distancing? All these issues, yeah, that we had. Now, if you were like me, or like I used to be, it was, uh, well, I'm always right. So whatever I think is the right thing is obviously the right thing. Yeah? Now, just picture this for a moment. Okay, whatever your position is, I'm not making any judgment on any position on any of what you thought was right and wrong. But imagine, right, we're on the service and you're doing, we're in the middle of a church service and Jesus walks in and he is doing the exact opposite of what you thought was the absolute right thing to do in the pandemic. Can you picture that for a moment? So if you're on one side, okay, he walks in and he's not wearing a mask. He goes up and hugs everyone <laughs> uh, and all that sort of thing, right? Picture that for a moment. Or maybe on, on the other side, he walks in and he's full PPE. <laughs> he's in a hazmat suit and he's got a sign saying, stay away and uh, we shouldn't even be here and all that sort of thing. Okay, I know this isn't quite funny because it's sensitive to a lot of us, but imagine, I'm not making a judge, I'm just saying imagine he's doing the opposite. And you say, well, I don't have to imagine, Tom, that he's doing the opposite because he would have done what I thought anyway. <laughs> all right, you're the person who thinks you're right all the time. <laughs> okay, now imagine he's doing the opposite. How would that make you feel and think about Jesus? That's probably the closest I could get to how the Pharisees feel when they see Jesus doing exactly the opposite. Everything they thought God would do, and Jesus didn't do it. Does it lead you to go, oh, oh, maybe I need to rethink a few things here. Maybe I need to sit down with Jesus and learn a bit. Or would it lead you to be a bit more like, Jesus, I think you've got this wrong. You might think you wouldn't do that, but the Pharisees did. And if we're honest with ourselves, we're all a bit like that from time to time. 
We all do it when sometimes we come to a bit of the Bible we don't particularly like. Ooh, not sure I like that bit. God, I think God might be wrong on that bit. We do it, don't we? Because we're stubborn and we think we're always right. Okay, how do we know, though, then, whether what we're doing or thinking is the right thing? When to stick to, I think this is right, and maybe the times when I think I ought to think I could need to rethink this. Well, first of all, the first question to always ask ourselves in all sorts of situations like this, in church life or in your own life, is a must, an absolute must, is you must have the kind of heart that will entertain the possibility, as remote as it is, that you might be wrong. If you can't do that, you will always be in danger of continuing on a path of action that is wrong to a stubbornness and detriment of yourself, your relationships, church life, and even your relationship with God. Okay, so that's the first thing. You've got to do that. Second thing, and it's in this passage, verse 16 to 18, is does what I think and believe here fit with what the Bible says? That is a must. Verse 16, Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. Because if it's just your opinion, then it's your own. But even Jesus says, my teaching is not my own. It comes from my Father in heaven, from the Bible. It comes, he says, from the one who sent me. Okay, so that's really important, isn't it? When you're thinking through what you're thinking and believing, if you come across something in Scripture that's, that completely says the opposite, you've got to, alarm bells need to ring, and you need to stop and think it through. And you need to consult with other Christians. And you need to do your work and your research and go, is this real? I know it feels right. I know I'm right. I know I am right. But the Bible says I'm wrong. I know I'm right. The Bible says I'm wrong. Maybe the Bible's got something to teach me here. And you've got to go back to the scriptures. As hard as it is. And I can guarantee you, every single person here, there will be times when the Bible says something different to, what you, to something you hold deeply true. That is the case because we are fallen, sinful human beings and we get a lot wrong. Even I know some of you are always right on everything. The Bible will at times, Jesus will put a finger on something in your life and say, I know you think you're right, but you are wrong. What are you going to do? Hopefully, we are a humble people. That will take our time to say, maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe it's okay for God to challenge me on this. As deeply as I hold that thing to be true and right in my life, if I'm not humble enough, I could end up on the other side against Jesus. Of course, we don't want that. Third criteria, third point, and this is the last one. Is the conviction I am holding, the rightness that I'm in, is it bearing fruit is it bearing fruit? Is it blessed? Is it creating more good in this world? Or is it harming? Look at what Jesus... Because Jesus' point is, it was clear to everyone that he is awesome. He is healing people. 
People are finding God through Jesus. His teaching is exemplary. He brings the Bible alive. All that's he's fruitful. God is with him. It's working. And the Pharisees could see that, and it really bothered them because their system was probably dry, leading to bitterness and oppression and difficulty and discord. And Jesus was amazing, and it bothered them. And yet they were still so stubborn to persist in their own way that they wanted to get rid of Jesus. So that's my third point. So the first one is you need to entertain. Could you possibly entertain that you're wrong? Is that even possible? Second, does it fit with what the Bible says? Third, is it fruitful? Is it bearing the marks of the Holy Spirit in your life? You all know the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, patience, peace, faithfulness, self-control, and a couple of others I've forgotten. But is it producing that kind of fruit? Because if it's not, I've got a question. Jesus says, by their fruit shall you know them. By their fruit. God is doing a wonderful thing, I think, and I hope in this church. Maybe we're getting many things wrong, but hopefully we're getting a few things right too. Hopefully we're the kind of church that can sit together and ask those questions. Are we getting this right? What, could, what is God calling us to? Maybe we need to help each other in that journey of our own walk with Jesus. Maybe we're spotting things in our fa- other people's family life and my family life. We need to be free to try and let God work in all sorts of areas of our lives. Because life with Jesus and being on his side is far, far better than being right all the time. Far better. Far better than the stubborn and obstinate heart far better than the discord and the jealousy. And the sin of the Pharisees and the religious leaders went to the extent that they would crucify Christ. Even in this chapter, after Jesus said these very words, verse 32, and we didn't read it, it says, then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him because they were right and he was wrong. Let us be the sort of people that will have soft, humble hearts that allows Jesus to lead us into all truth. And may it be, may your life, my life, and the life of this church flow in abundance of fruitfulness. Let's pray.